Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. It ain't easy now. How could I move forward when I keep looking backward? I'm just standing still. How can I fight this obsession? Have I not learned my lesson? Maybe I never will. Good evening, Pittsburgh Steelers fans. Welcome to another episode of Steelers Friday Night Six Pack. I am your host, as always, Tony Defio. And I thank you for joining me on this rather lovely Friday night in Pittsburgh. I always comment on the weather when I do my shows, and I am so happy that on this Friday night, on this good Friday, I will not have to put my heat on or even my AC. It's perfect weather, and I hope it's a lovely good Friday wherever you are, if you're celebrating. If not, I hope it's a lovely Friday. Whatever whatever floats your boat, I hope it's a good one. And uh, before I continue, I'd like to, as always, ask you to please like and subscribe to our live YouTube channel. We bring you live shows each and every day and night, including this show. Uh, and a few hours earlier, as you saw, we have Touchdown Under with Maddie Peverall and Mark Davison. They're coming to you live every Friday from good old Australia, or whatever they call Australia. Good old, I don't know. I know uh, Mark always says, good on you, mate. So there you go. So please check that out. Check out The Hangover with, with Brian Anthony Davis and Shannon White every Monday. And me, of course, me. Forgot about the uh, about the old uh, Tony uh, every uh, every Monday. Of course, you can check out Steelers Preview with Jeff Hartman and, and Brian and Dave Schofield. Uh, we have uh, the, the Scobro Show with, with Dave and his brother Rich every Tuesday. And every Wednesday, we have... Uh, well, in the off season, it'll be called uh, the curtain call, and that's with Jeffrey Benedict, who's a new, I guess, quarterback. I don't want to hopefully, hopefully, I don't offend Shannon by saying that, but I guess Jeffrey Benedict has now moved into the role of uh, Michael Beck, who, who, uh, he'll still be doing lots of shows for Behind the Snow Curtain, but he's moved on to, to, he's graduated from school now, so he'll be moving on to his life's work and joining him every Wednesday will be Shannon White. And I watched her show the other night. And I thought it was fantastic. So please check that out. Uh, Shannon brings a lot of, of, uh, of knowledge to, of, and, and, and ease. And he grounds every show that he's on. Of course, so does Jeffrey. And of course, Jeffrey is so extraordinary and, 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 and uh, knowledgeable. So please check that out. Uh, of course we have, uh, we have uh, missing some shows. Um, well, we have lots of shows. We have lots of shows. I'm drawing a blank. It's 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 been a long day, but I, I'm drawing a blank. But uh, please check out all of our live shows, and of course, you can catch them after the fact on any audio platform of your choosing. And of course, we also have uh, we're, we're also live on Facebook. I always forget that part. We're live on Facebook with each of those. Every show that you find live on YouTube, you can also find live on Facebook. So if you're watching me on Facebook, if you're watching me stumble through my words, 
you know that. So hi, and be kind in, in the comment section, as I always say. And of course, uh, you can catch all those shows after the fact on any audio platform of your choosing. I personally enjoy iHeartRadio because I can I have it downloaded on my Roku, my Roku uh, channel or app. So uh, uh, please check those out. And of course, you can check out all of our audio only or exclusive audio only shows on any audio platform of your choosing. We have the live mic with Michael Beck. Let's try with with Jeff Hartman. The Stat Geek with Dave Schofield from the cutting room floor with with uh, Jeffrey Benedict. Um, we have uh, uh, what he's talking about. We have uh, so, so many shows. So please check those out. Uh, you won't be sorry. And it's it's the, the platform has grown so much, both live and and the audio only side. It's just grown so much in the last couple of years. It, it's actually pretty amazing. And it's going to be round the clock coverage uh, with, with the 2022 NFL draft coming up. I mean, uh, as I, as I kind of kid all the time, this is the favorite time of year for a lot of football, for a lot of football fans. They love this time of year. They love the draft season, probably more than the NFL regular season. Uh, in the case of many, they do. There's, there's, there's no denying that. And I think some will proudly say that they do. So, this is a great year for, for Behind the Still Curtain, or great time of year for Behind the Still Curtain, uh, because they bring you just great draft coverage, and uh, you won't be sorry. The content will be there, and uh, it'll be plentiful. So please check that out. And, of course, check out Behind the Still Curtain, the website. We bring you news, commentary, film breakdown. It's your one-stop shop for all of your Steelers' needs. So let's check out the live chat and see who we have in here. I think I saw who number one was. The first one in was Daredevil, followed by Steeler Chick 46, who thought she was number one, but nope, Daredevil beat her by just a half a second. So welcome to those two. Terry Milas, my good friend Terry, Steelers Pittsburgh, deal with it. Sherry Richards. Uh, she says, Tony, let's talk Steelers. Hope you're well. I am doing as well as I can be. I'm I'm Having a good day overall, even though it's been a long day with work. I'm having a good day. Clarence Washington, Jason Rollins, Eric Dove, Brian Brown. Thanks, Mean Joe, Zagros, Missouri is with us. And uh, I think that's it. Donovan Cousy. All right. So we have a. Full show. Of course, I have to start off tonight's show on a somber note by talking about uh, the events of last Saturday, um, the tragic death of, of Steelers quarterback Dwayne Haskins, who uh, was hit by a, a vehicle while trying to cross a, a Florida highway last Saturday morning at around 6.30 a.m. So, I mean, it was obviously a, a shock to everybody. Um, I mean, it just, you know, once... Yeah, uh, once news hit of that, it was just that, that was. I mean, everything just stopped as far as Steelers uh, news and Steeler Nation, the fans, uh, everybody involved with the organization. I mean, they just took out. They, they took time to to mourn and 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 to process what had happened. And you know, I'm not really good at that kind of stuff um, as far as expressing my emotions that way. And you know, Brian's really good at that. And, you know, lots of other people are, but. I mean, it was just, you know, 
just such a, a sad ending, obviously. I mean, he was 24 years old. He was going to be 25 on in, in May, May, on May 3rd. And, uh, you, you know, as much as we like to talk about Mitchell Trubisky and Mason Rudolph, that, that dynamic as far as them going, you know, battling it out possibly for the, the starting spot and whatever unnamed rookie you want to throw in there. Uh, Dwayne Haskins had a good shot to, to, to compete for that starting job. You know, I mean, he obviously he had all the talent in the world. It was a first round pick of Washington back in, in 2019. And uh, things didn't work out there. And he, he was here and, and he put in a good year's work uh, after Pittsburgh signed him last, last winter. And uh, you know, I mean, everything seemed uh, bright and promising as far as at least uh, his, his, football life in his life were concerned. And then, you know, everything just sort of ended and it just showed you how random and uh, sudden things can change and, and how precious life is and how fragile it is. And, you know, I'm not going to get too much into, you know, why, you know, why he was crossing, you know, the, the highway. I mean, how, how, I mean, if the police don't yet know, how am I supposed to know? But Again, as I said, I'm not that good at, at that kind of stuff, like expressing myself in that way. But I am good at, and I think, writing and, and, and using that in a constructive way and maybe podcasting eventually. And, you know, I figure I, I, I'd rather uh, just use the time to maybe, I don't know, change people's opinions on what uh, off-the-field issues are and you know, I, I I wrote an article the other day, and and it was well received, mostly I thought. And I wish I didn't have to write the article, by the way. But you know, I you know I wrote it because I I think you know things are so skewed now when it comes to these athletes, and you know, obviously, uh, the, not to sound like a cliche, but there's a twenty four seven news cycle, and social media is so omnipresent and prevalent, and you know, everything that these guys do, whether it's a football player, a hockey player, whatever athlete, you know, basketball player you want to talk about. I mean, you know, we know everything instantly right away. And I think the perception has changed a bit, or at least the idea of what off field issues are. And, you know, I received a lot of emails about that article I wrote the other day and a lot of them were supportive and a lot of them were like, what are you talking about? I mean, look what happened to him. Uh, look what happened to Haskins. Look at how his life ended. So how can you say off the field issues didn't weren't uh, a part of that? But my contention was, um, what in his life really could have pointed to? I, I, and again, we don't know what happened. It, it might turn out to be the worst possible thing. You know, maybe he was inebriated and you know, had a blood alcohol level twice the legal limit, and that's why. You know, he had poor judgment. He was walking across the highway when his car was was uh, disabled. I don't know. But even if that was the case, um, what in his history led up to or, or, or would lead you to believe that that he was heading down a destructive path or a path? You know, and that's what a lot of people, including Gil Brandt, the former Cowboys executive who was responsible for helping to build a lot of great Cowboys teams in the past. And there's somebody who's been around football. He should know. He should have known better than to say what he said, you know, when he basically said that Haskins was living to die. And, you know, that's really what triggered me to write that article is, 
No, he wasn't. I mean, again, maybe he made a stupid decision uh, last Saturday morning, which contributed to his death, but nothing in his history said, oh my gosh, this guy is heading down a horrible path. I mean, there were no Pac-Man Jones. Uh, he, he wasn't, he didn't have that, that kind of a, a, uh, a pattern in his life where he was constantly being arrested, getting in trouble with the law. Uh, nothing like with what happened with Joe Mixon. There were no problems like with Ryan Leaf experience when, when, when he hit rock bottom after his career, he was breaking into his neighbor's home to steal uh, prescription pills. There was nothing like that in Haskins' life. I mean, he was clearly, if you, if you, if you believe the stories, he was immature. He was maybe a, a bit uh, unaware. You know, he, he, he didn't have self-awareness. That's one of the things I read about him. Uh, obviously, you know, he was, uh, he was photographed partying with strippers during the height of the pandemic. And, you know, that was, a uh, a black mark against him. Um, he was having trouble, you know, gra- you know, maybe perhaps grasping the, the enormous responsibility of being a first round pick and being a quarterback who was a first round pick and, but nothing would point to him if, if his, again, if he was doing something nefarious in Florida, nothing could point that. So for people like Gil Brandt to come out and say that to me, that's was unfair for him. And it's also unfair for a lot of these athletes. Cause I think again, how we look at off field issues is different than how we looked at them in the past. Um, before social media, especially in the past, uh, an off the field issue was a real was a real criminal activity in in most cases. Now, it's well he's out partying. Um, he's a he's a bad apple. He has demons. And you know, before I I wanted to watch it again before I came on to the show tonight, I wanted to watch Ken Stabler's A Football Life. And there's somebody who had a notorious partying reputation. He, you know, he, he, he liked the ladies, he, you know, he, he didn't necessarily, uh, believe in, 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 uh, a curfew. He got, when he was at Alabama, he started his, his collegiate career at Alabama before he was drafted into the NFL. And he got fined one time. He got, he got demoted by Bear Bryant because he broke cur- curfew. So, I mean, there, there's a guy who, who certainly probably had, had to grow up a little bit. And he never really stopped. Uh, you know, he had some problems after his career with DUIs and everything. But when, you know, when people look back at his career, his football career, they kind of chuckle at his partying ways and saying with, with Bobby Lane, who was the Lions and, and Steelers quarterback, he had, he had DUIs. Uh, if you read Myron Cope's uh, book, he talks about at least one or two DUIs that, 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 that he and, and, um, Lane got out of because the police gave him a break, you know. Uh, so, you know, uh, Cope loved to go out and uh, party with the boys too. Uh, Joe Namath had that kind of reputation. I mean, there's so many. J- James Harrison talked about it on, on his podcast appearance a couple of years ago with Willie Colon. He talked about how a bunch of the teammates, his teammates, and him would go out. During the, this is during Cowers years, you know, and 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 drink and 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 party and and sometimes not even go home and show up to the facility or show up to the stadium to, to play a game. 
the next day, you know, and, and we just laugh at that now because that's usually how, how, how this thing works. We laugh at those kind of stories when they're in past tense, but when they happen in the moment, it's like, Oh my gosh, we got to do something about this. And another thing I've noticed is people act like nothing's ever happened before. You know, like Bill Cowher is a great example. You know, a lot of stuff's happened under Cowher's watch uh, that people just conveniently forget about, you know, arrests, fights, drug problems, um, disciplinary uh, problems, you name it. But when we think of Cowher now, we think of him as his perfect coach, his disciplinarian. There's those memes going around. You see him every now and then uh, where it's, he's not, he's not, it's not him really saying this, but the, but the caption says, do I have to come back and straighten things out? You know, come on, you know, things were just as goofy and crazy under Cower and Noel and as, as people seem to think they are with Tomlin. So, you know, uh, there, I, I just, and when it gets, when it gets down to not just, you know, partying and, and, and strippers and things like that, but when it gets down to like social media activity, when that's looked at as an off field issue an off the field issue to me, that's really, you're really going down a slippery slope with these guys. And, 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 you know, Juju has been vilified by many for his social media activities, his, his, uh, the, the fun he likes to have away from the field and, you know, with milk crate challenges and that slip and slide thing. He was, he videotaped himself doing, I guess it was last week. And you, you get people writing columns about it and how he's a clown and how he doesn't care about winning. And, you know, and, and, and there are pe- people out there who really, really look at these issues. Something is even as minor as that as an off field problem as something that maybe should affect their careers. And I just think that's kind of ridiculous. And I just, I guess my point is, with Dwayne Haskins, his lifestyle up until his untimely death was, wasn't much different than most young professional athletes, whether it's football, hockey, you know, I, I, you know, back in the days before social media, you know, the, I, I heard a lot of stories about the, about the penguins, like the, the, the late OO penguins that first Sid cup era, not Sid, of course, Sid's a choir boy by, you know, I'm sure he's not, but he has, that, he's kept himself out of the spotlight. Um, but yeah, like there's the other guys, I won't name names, but I've had, I've heard secondhand accounts from, from, uh, coworkers and women, uh, encounters they've had with those penguins players of the, of that era. Of course, everything's different now because, because, of social media and everybody has a, a, a camera in their pocket in the name of a cell phone, an iPhone, a smartphone, Android, whatever. Uh, but you know, you hardly ever hear of, of of stories of players out partying now because if, if they if they're out partying they're going to be they're going to be uh, their likeness is going to be captured either in a with a, a picture or or a video and it's going to go on social media and it's going to be it's going to be uh it's going to go viral and believe me these guys they're all schooled in that now trust me somewhere along the way whether it's in college or through their agents or through their teams that just drafted them, they get schooling on how to, how to ha- conduct themselves away from, away from the field or away from the rink or away from the court, whatever, because they know the spotlight's on, the, on them 24-7. So um, 
you know, when people say, when people act like, oh my gosh, the NFL, as far as this off the field stuff, it's, it's worse than it's ever been. It's probably better than it's ever been because everything nowadays from an actual serious thing that, that leads to an arrest all the way down to, you know, you dancing in the locker room is, is, um, scrutinized it, 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 and, and there's hours of, of, uh, airtime devoted to it and 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 that's kind of another point of the article i wanted to make is we've 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 gone from from you know just arrests and things of that nature being considered off-field issues to everything almost getting equal weight and especially like the arrest thing might not even be that big a deal if you like the player but if you hate the player or or if you think your team hasn't won enough championships well something as benign as making a stupid Albeit tasteless joke, like Devin Bush did last year on Twitter, that gets scrutinized even more than than something as serious as domestic violence, for example. So that's pretty much all I had to I wanted to say about that. I just want to get that off my chest because, again, back to Dwayne Haskins. Uh, you know, I don't know what happened. It might we, we it might be months before we really find out the true story. Who knows? But nothing in his past could could have suggested that, oh, my gosh, this guy was heading down a horrible, horrible path. And and it was, I think it was unfair for Gilbrandt to say what he did and actually it was downright cruel to say what he did. Because, again, a lot of people, a lot of young professional athletes uh, live, live, this, live a similar lifestyle than, than that, that Dwayne Haskins did. And to say that that that's that's considered a a destructive path is unfair. We, we, I think we've seen examples of real destructive behavior from professional athletes and that did not fit uh, Dwayne Haskins, his life, his, his, his uh, identity. So that's all I had to say about that. And uh, I'll just move on now. And uh, actually the thing that I was really charged up about before the unfortunate news about Dwayne Haskins last Saturday morning, I was arguing with people on Twitter about the, uh, the, the semi-controversy involving Mitch Trubisky and, and Mason Rudolph due to the fact that, that Trubisky invited, and that's actually where, where Haskins was um, when, 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 tra- when tragedy struck, but that when, when, he, when Trubisky invited many teammates down to his Florida home to work out and sort of bond and, and Rudolph, for whatever reason, nobody knows why. I mean, people jump to conclusions, but nobody really uh, liked the fact or few liked the fact that, or agreed with the fact, I should say that, that Rudolph decided not to go. And if it was for the reasons that many people were saying that, you know, he, he, he did it because he's, he's in competition with Trubisky for the starting spot. Well, I don't, I don't, I can see that side of it. And I can't believe more people don't see that side of it. You know, people are saying, well, it's, they're not adversaries. They're not, they're not competitors. Well, they are competitors. Trubisky is, is he was signed here to be the, to at least have the, 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 the inside track for the starting quarterback spot for the Steelers. And that's something that Rudolph has had his eye on. Probably it's probably been his goal for years and Ben Roethlisberger retires, and what do you do? You, you you go out and you bring in Mitch Trubisky, which not much of a shock, but in Mason Rudolph's eyes, he's thinking, 
come on, you know, give me a legitimate chance. So, you know, you, you, you waited, if you're, if you're Mason Rudolph, you waited your turn. And now there's this new guy coming in. And to me, if I'm, if I'm him, I'm thinking, well, if I go down there and, and train with Mitch Trubisky, I'm kind of conceding that he's the leader of the team now. So I can see where, why Rudolph wouldn't want to, wouldn't want to go and train. I can see why it would be awkward. And I'm sure Trubisky understands that. And if I'm Mason Rudolph, you know, if, if that's the fuel he needs, if that's the motivation he needs, if that's the what he needs to be focused is to not go and, and train with the guy who's, who's he's going to be competing with for the starting job. To me, I'm fine with that because at the end of the day, the, the, the goal is to find the, for the Steelers to find the guy to be their next quarterback, their next starting quarterback and to be successful at it. And whether it's Mitch Trubisky or Mason Rudolph or draft pick or whomever, to me, it shouldn't matter. And there shouldn't be this much um, criticism of, of, of Rudolph for not going down. And it's funny, Steelers fans, I mean, Steelers fans, a lot of, a lot of the people in the fan base are like big on, on weakness and, or, or not showing weakness and being strong or not being soft. And yet they expect poor old Mason Rudolph to swallow a lot of pride. I think by most accounts, it's, it's pretty accurate to say that Ben Roethlisberger wasn't a big um, mentor for Mason Rudolph. And he probably didn't go out of his way to be nice to him. And he, he probably was probably, he probably shunned him in a lot of ways. He, he did not like the fact that the Steelers drafted Rudolph in the third round in 2018. He kind of made that known. So, you know, but then the second Ben Roethlisberger retires, people expect were mad at Rudolph for not publicly congratulating him on a great career, you know, and, and, and now that he has a chance to, to, to compete for the starting spot, they want him to swallow his pride again and, and go and train with Mr. Trubisky as sort of a bonding thing. Uh, I, I don't get that, you know, if it's, if it's what it takes to, for him to be motivated and who, and who says there's any malice um, involved on his, maybe he, like Brian pointed out on Monday, maybe he, you know, it was like uh, Trubisky um, invited him down two weeks ago, all these guys. So, you know, just because these guys are millionaires and have great lifestyles and doesn't mean they can just drop everything and, and, and go and, and, and train in a different state. Uh, uh, with two weeks' notice, so it could have been something where he just he just wasn't available, and we're reading too much into it as we tend to do as sports fans. So I said my piece on that. Let's go easy on Mason Rudolph. Um, who really cares that he didn't go down and train with Mr. Bisky, the guy, his number one competitor for the starting quarterback spot? Who cares that he didn't do that? I mean, let's let's you know. Uh, Let's let's. There's things that that are that are you should worry about you know, on the field stuff that you should worry about and stuff that who gives a freak and that's one of those things. Who cares that Mason Rudolph didn't go down and and work out with these guys and who and, and who says that they're not working out other times that we don't know about, you know? So again, this is an, a, another product of or byproduct of the 24 seven news cycle where, where there's, it, it's set up that there always has to be some, something that we have to be outraged over and, 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 and something that we have to debate and take sides on. 
And that was another example of that. Because Mason Rudolph didn't go down and train with Mitch Trubisky and, and sing Kumbaya. All of a sudden, you know, let's take sides. And I'm on team Mitch and I'm on team Mason. You know, that's silly. Anyway, I rambled on long enough. But as the title suggests, we are, gosh, two weeks from tonight. We'll be, we'll be either... Well, half of us will be happy and half of us will be outraged over the Steelers' second and third round draft picks. That's how close we are to the 2022 NFL draft. So it's almost here. And um, I, I've been doing some exercises. I, I did one on Wednesday. I, I finally got into the pro football mock draft simulator. And I wanted to see I, – I don't, I don't pick myself. I usually let them pick for me. The simulator. It's, it's, it's interesting to see what what they come up with, and I did like dozens. And from what I saw, from what I like, the data that I that I consumed, if you will, or or observed, uh, receiver was like the number one. It was the leader as far as what this draft, what this mock draft simulator kept producing for for a first round pick. Anyway, I did it like dozens of times. Then finally, I. Decided to do 10 of them, and I, I recorded uh, 10. And I know it's a small sample size, but what, what it showed me was that the simulator had the Steelers taking that receiver three times. Chris Olive was the first one. Um, and then immediately after that, uh, Jake London from USC. And then the sixth simulation, Garrett Wilson from Ohio State. And then, of course, you throw in the rest of them. Uh, obviously, Kenny Pickett was in there. Matt Corral was in there. Daxton Lynch, the safety for Michigan, was was an interesting pick, I think, because I think Kyle Hamilton. Uh, you know, I mean, I would love to get that guy from Notre Dame, but he's probably going to be gone by the top ten. And Daxton Lynch, at least on a lot of the uh, big boards, is hovering around thirty. But the Steelers need um, they, they at, this, at this moment anyway. They need a, a, a safety uh, with Edmonds still unsigned and. and Tyron Matthew still unsigned and who knows what their, what their plans are for that position. So that was an interesting pick. Um, Trevor Penning, the, the tackle from Northern Iowa, he appeared twice. He was the only player to appear twice in this uh, 10 uh, when I did these 10 simulations. And of course there were two corners, uh, Clemson's Andrew Booth and Washington's Trent McDuffie. So um, it seemed like a, it seemed like the, the the simulator, at least with the first round picks, hit on their needs more than last year. Last year, I, I tried this exercise, and it seemed like they were all it was all over the place. Um, and I think the main reason was is the Steelers had so many perceived needs, not just starters, but depth. I mean, it's so many different positions, and there was that whole thing where where they seem to be favoring drafting a line or I'm sorry, a running back first round, namely Najee Harris. And so many people out there, experts and fans alike did not want them to draft a running back. So um, I think that influenced the, the, the data last year with that, with the mock simulator. Cause it was, again, it was all over the place and it was, you know, it was, it was picking players that didn't make any sense to me, but I think that's, that's because, there were so many different directions that the Steelers could have gone last year. And not just because, uh, you know, like this year, they seem to be in much better shape as far as 
um, what they did in free agency. They seem to address a, a, enough needs that they can go the quote unquote best player available route this year. Whereas last year they needed help in a lot of different areas, or at least that was the perception heading into the, to the, uh, to the draft. So I, 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 I thought it was an interesting result and, you know, the more I think about it, I mean, receiver might be a, uh, might be the, the leader in the club. I mean, I know quarterbacks getting all the pub, but like we talked about before, Kenny Pickett and Malik Willis are not going to be there. I, I hate to talk in absolutes, but it seems highly unlikely that they're going to make it past both of them, or one of them is going to make it out of the top 10 and that both of them are going to make it out of the top 15. If that makes any sense, what I just said. And uh, probably a third quarterback is going to be gone by the time they pick at 20. So you're, you're looking at, two quarterbacks and if, if neither one of those quarterbacks is somebody that they like, then maybe they have to go in a different direction and perhaps that's receiver because there's a lot of great value from what I've researched within the receiver position. There are five guys, at least five guys that could very easily be picked in the top between 10 and 20 or 10 and 25. So, I mean, that's right in the Steelers uh, wheelhouse. So maybe it'll be a receiver. And it wouldn't be a bad way to go when you when you when you look at at what they lost to free agency and 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 again the 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 at least perceived value of the receiver position in this year's draft. So that's pretty much all I had to say. Um, I'll be interested to hear your thoughts over the next 10, 15 minutes or so. So let's take some some comments and questions. And of course, we got the always hard hitting Mule Skinner up first who says, and these are those absolutes, but this is what people do. He says, none of these quarterbacks this year are worth drafting. If Colbert drafts one thinking he will change the future, he is on acid. Well, that's that's your, that's your uh, Mule Skinner for you. I don't, I don't think Kevin Colbert's on acid, but um, that's certainly, the rest of that is certainly a, a popular opinion among many that this quarterback crop isn't, the strongest, but again, like I said many times, you're not drafting the entire class. You're, you're you're drafting one quarterback if you draft one at all. And the key is to draft the right one. And if you find one who happens to be really good, uh, who cares, right? I mean, who cares if if uh, about next year's class or the, or the class after that? The, the bottom line is you have to find your guy as quickly as possible because the quicker you find your guy and, and the quicker you find the right guy, then the quicker you're going to be a contender again, a legit Super Bowl contender. So let's see what else we have here. My Myra Jane and Bert says, please no corral 20. That's a reach. Well, that's a, that's an opinion. I don't know if that's a, that's not, that's, that's just a, you don't know if he's going to be reached. He could be. He could be the next damn Reno for all you know. Deal with it says I got a feeling who they are going after as far as receiver. Honestly, I looked at a dark horse similar to Deontay pick. Well, who is that? Deal with it. You said you have a feeling. Who is it? What's your gut say? This is from Myron, uh, Jane, and Bert again, and, and they say personally, I if I if I was Mason Rudolph, I would not go to Mitch invite either. And you know, again, it comes down to you know maybe what is that what 
kind of perception does that give your bosses? If you, if, if you go and, and train and, and, and be the guest of the guy that you just signed with to come in and, and compete for the starting spot, this guy that you that has been in your system for, for four years, he goes, is, is, what does that say? Does that say that he, you know how these coaches think, well, he doesn't want it bad enough. He's, uh, he's uh, hanging out with the guy who's, who's gonna, he's going to be, going to be competing with for this starting spot. That's not the kind of toughness and focus and metal I'm looking for. And, and believe me, if you, if you think some of these coaches don't think that way, uh, they do. Uh, but also, again, it comes back to, to the awkwardness of it. You know, that, that's kind of an awkward thing. It's like I joked about it on Twitter on Saturday morning, you know, before the tragedy um, of the news of Dwayne Haskins. I was joking with people and I said, you know, it's like if you're involved in a, a, a serious custody battle with your significant, your former significant other uh, for your kids. And they say to you, hey, you want to come, come to a, have a picnic with us and I'll host and take care of everything. You know, well, in your mind, you're thinking you're being all nice. And and when we have our custody battle, that maybe the judge is going to take that. You know, you know what I mean? It's it just it, it, I, I'd, I'd want to um, focus on the kids and and and, and uh, I don't know. To me, it just it, it would be weird. And Mule, this is a, this is an interesting from an interesting and another hard uh, opinion from Mule, and he says if, if Colbert doesn't fortify the O line, this season is going to be what to say blank, you again. Okay, well, well, I mean I, that's interesting that you would say that Mule because I mean they they went out and they signed J- James Daniels, who was considered by most people to be the biggest free agent pickup of their recent crop of free agent pickups, and this is a young guy, 24 years old, lot, already a lot of starting experience in Chicago, former second-round pick, and he's going to step right in and be your starting right guard, you know, unless something crazy happens. And, of course, they, they brought in Mason Cole, who is, as of right now, assumed or presumed to be the the front runner for the, the, the center spot, starting center position. So, you know, last you have Kevin Dotson – theoretically again like i keep saying unless they hate him for some reason which is there's been rumors out there that, that he's not a he's in the doghouse but you have kevin dodson at left guard and then and then of course you have dan moore who was your starter last year a rookie so i mean that seems like a pretty good infusion of talent um so i don't know what more they can do at this point other than bringing in a linderbaum if he's available at 20 to be the center or bringing in somebody like Trevor Penning to be a, be the, the tackle, the, the guy who would presumably start or compete for a, a, a turning tackle spot against uh, Moore or, or Shuk Sakura for. And remember, they, they gave him a, a decent contract in free agency. So uh, when you say that, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I think they've already taken major steps with those two signings of Daniels and Cole of fortifying this line this offseason. So – you know, they, they can bring in, I'm sure they're going to bring in more people in the draft, but it doesn't mean that, that they're going to pan out either. So, Dill Whitted says, 
It's all speculation about Mason Rudolph. Nobody can say for sure how he feels. Thank you very much. Nobody knows. And nobody knows why he didn't go. He might have had other plans. According to, you know, the 24-7 news cycle, he just got out of a serious relationship. So who knows what's going through his mind? Maybe he doesn't feel like going and, and uh, you know, bonding with his work, but his, his co-workers right now. Maybe he wants to enjoy the rest of the offseason. Maybe he wants to stay focused and angry and, and determined to win this turning this to, to prove to his coaches that he should be the starting quarterback and he doesn't want to let his guard down. And, 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 you know, so it's something, you know, everybody, everybody handles things differently and Mason Rudolph, not going to be with his teammates at Mitch Trubisky's home. To me, that's not something to be, you know, to, to, judge him on, even though we've already judged him a million times about it. I've heard so many crazy and unflattering things said about Mason Rudolph uh, prior to last Saturday. And, and that one was just another one thrown in there. And, and again, like I, like I said, last Saturday, welcome to life without Ben Roethlisberger, because if they don't find a, 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 their next great quarterback soon, it's going to be a lot of this kind of silly stuff that we, fight about and complain about in lieu of winning football games. And, it, and Dale Wittett, who's talking about the receiver. I think, uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think Shannon White wrote about this the other day. Alec Pierce of Cincinnati, he's going to be great. That's that's the that's who I deal with what it was talking about. Well, I think he's he's starting to uh, gain some steam as a uh, as a, uh, a a great or a good receiver prospect in this draft. So if, if that's who you're talking about, I have to go back and look at my notes right now. Excuse me for a second. I wrote all the positions down. Let's see where Alec Pierce is ranked. I don't see one here. Maybe, maybe, uh, maybe I missed him, or maybe it's not a receiver. I don't know. But deal with it. Seems like whoever Alec Pierce is, if it's not a receiver, deal with deal with it's pretty high on him. So whoever, whatever position that he plays. And uh, the Cuda seventy asks, is anybody going to watch the Pittsburgh Maulers game? I'm sure there are going to be some people, but honestly, I forgot that they were even uh, that the USFL was even starting up again. This is from Clarence Washington, who says, I'd like to see the Steelers draft either a top corner or a number one receiver in the first and a quarterback in the second. Well, I mean, that's, um, you know, if you're looking at, if you're looking at value, there might be better value as far as receivers and cornerbacks in the first round and better value in, at least in the eyes of the experts and the, the perception of this class right now, for quarterbacks in the second round, you got somebody like a Sam Howe or a Desmond Ritter, uh, if they or Carson Strong, if they fall to the second round or to the fifty-second pick of the second round, I should say, uh, then that, that might be a that, that that might offer great value. And Mule Skinner says James Daniels is junk in all capital letters. And he says he's watched a pile of Bears games. Well, I'm sorry to inform you, Mule, but 
looks like uh, the rest of the NFL doesn't seem to share that opinion because he was a well thought of uh, free agent. So we'll see what happens. We'll see who's right. Keith Richard says trade up for quarterback in the draft. Myra says, Tony, what's the six pack flavor for this evening? I don't really have anything right now. I don't really have any. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna eat some, uh, some cheese pretzel nuggets whenever I'm done with the show. I don't know if I'm gonna. I'm not gonna have any. I don't have any alcoholic beverages, but yeah, I don't really have a six pack tonight. Steelers Pittsburgh says of, of uh, Mason, he was uh, in. Apparently, he was in California visiting his brother. He actually appeared on the Rich Eisen show re- recently, Mason Rudolph, and his brothers, uh, I think he played football in college, and now he's trying to pursue acting, and he's been in a Lifetime movie, I think. So, you know, maybe he was just, uh, he had previous plans, and he had to visit his brother, and, you know, it's, you can't be in two places at once. The bottom line for Mason Rudolph is he needs to get himself as right mentally, physically, and emotionally as he possibly can to compete for the starting quarterback spot this year. That's what he has to focus on. And he can't worry about what other people think of him. He can't certainly can't worry about, about what the media and the public thinks of him right now, because that's all going to change. If he comes on and becomes that quarterback that they supposedly had a first round grade on, if he becomes that guy, then everything changes as far as the perception of Mason Rudolph. Isn't that funny how that works? So let's see what else we have here. And let's see what else. Let's see what Brian Brown says. Do you think the Steelers might mess around and wind up with one of these awesome safeties? Well, I mean, you know, if they can, if, if they can land a player and I, I, I hate saying this because, you know, if, if a guy is good enough to, to be a second round pick, then, you know, but if they can find, if they can get a Daxon Hill in a second round, that'd be great. Um, but as far as uh, free agent safeties, because I don't think obviously Kyle Hamilton's it's that's a total pipe dream at this point. He's he's going to be gone by the top ten. Uh, Tyron Matthew. I mean, it's like I don't even know what to believe with that anymore. You hear you, you hear stories that that there's still an interest there, uh, and then you hear stories that there isn't an interest there, at least not on his end because he wants too much money. I, I don't know. Um, to me, I think the smart move would just to bring, to bring Terrell Edmonds back. He's younger. He's going to be cheaper. He's solid. He's getting better every year. And he works well with Mika Fitzpatrick. And, you know, if you can get Edmonds at a, a, a fair price, then that's going to make it easier to pay Mika Fitzpatrick his mega contract. And believe me, he's going he's gonna to get paid top safety money whenever the time uh, comes. So. If you if you bring in Tyron Matthew and pay him what he supposedly is going to want, which I'm guessing is is going to be roughly twelve to fourteen million, well, it's going to make it a little bit harder to work the deal with Micah Fitzpatrick because it's probably going to drive his price up because he knows he's the top free safety in the NFL. And you bring in a thirty year old guy who's a strong safety, yes, but he's still thirty years old. He's much older, and he's theoretically past his prime. And you're paying him this kind of money, well, I'm going to want, if I'm making Fitzpatrick, I'm going to want that much more. 
So at least that's how I feel about it. So Richard Adamson asks, what are the chances the Steelers move down in any round of the draft? I don't, I mean, how often do they do that? Really? I mean, that's, that's what cracks up. Like I, I read an article the other day about Tyler Linderbaum and somebody got on me on Twitter saying they're, they never draft people. They, they, they don't, uh, whose pro day they don't attend. And apparently that hasn't happened, at least in the first round since 2009, Ziggy Hood. But they haven't traded down since 2001 in the first round. And yet every year people think that's a real possibility. It's something they should do. That's a trend that they forget about. But this trend, this pro day thing is ironclad. Uh, so where are the chances? I mean, I, I don't, I don't, if they trade it down, uh, I guess the best spot would be the first round because that's, you would probably get the best value in return for that. So to me, if they if they were going to trade down, it would, it would be in the first round. I do believe the chiefs have a couple of late first round picks now because of the, the Tyree kill trade, if I'm not mistaken, or maybe I'm reading, maybe I read the wrong list, but anyway, uh, other than that, I, I don't see them uh, doing that. So, all right. Dark Storm asks of Edmonds and the Steelers' decision not to pick up his fifth-year option last year. Does Edmonds want to return? That's 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 the the, the question that people when they when they say, "Why don't you just sign Edmonds?" Well, maybe he doesn't want to come back. Uh, as Darkstrom says, maybe he feels disrespected. And Brian Brown f- uh, clarifies that he meant the safeties in the draft. I mean, obviously, if, if they don't if they don't bring in a uh, if they don't have a safety by the draft, and it doesn't look like they're going to at this point. I mean, you have obviously Lewis Kine from Georgia, who is a top fifty prospect. At least on on the big board that I have, Jalen Petrie from Baylor, uh, Brisker from Penn State. I mean, uh, the, you know, they're they're all possibilities, and at least three of them look like they'd be legit second round prospects. And Hill is a borderline first round prospect. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, if they don't have if they don't have a safety in the fold in 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 two weeks, then they're probably going to use one of their premium picks to select one because you have to, if you're them, I mean, you have to give yourself, uh, I'd say insurance because you just don't know how how these draft picks are going to pan out, but you have to give yourself a, a, a good prospect. Uh, if, if you don't plan on, or if you can't come to terms with a veteran. So, and on that note, I think I'm going to call it a night. It's been a great show, spirited show. Uh, I wish I didn't have to talk about some of the things I did, but, that's reality. Um, but I hope you guys have a great holiday. If you're celebrating Easter, if not, whatever holiday you're celebrating or whatever you're celebrating this weekend, I hope it's, I hope it's great, fun, peaceful, relaxing. And until I talk to you on Monday on the hangover with Brian and Shannon, have a great weekend. And as always go Steelers. When I know that it can never really be the same. How could I move forward when I keep Looking backward, I'm just